Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. So as we are midway through the season, people are maybe just getting on board. How can they get more of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just continue to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Finest Work Songs. You check us out on our website, finestworksongs.com. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, anywhere you enjoy podcasts. I don't think we're on Grinder yet. <laughs> <laughs> if I knew what TikTok was, we'd be on there too. We should ask our daughters. Yeah. I'm sure they know. We appreciate everybody for sharing. Uh, we're always looking for uh, reviews and ratings of the, the podcast. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what albums you'd like for us to talk about. Or if you have listened to the first episodes of this season, whether it's Guns N' Roses, Hootie and the Blowfish, The Postal Service, Dylan Fence, you too. Uh, let us know your thoughts, your memories of those albums. We just love the interaction with, as we call them, the finest work fans. Yeah. Matt, today I don't want you to be alarmed <laughs> as we are recording, but uh, we're not alone. Oh my God. <laughs> don't be nervous, because today with us is the one and only Micah Berman. Studio audience, please welcome Micah. Hey. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So nice. Thank you for having me. They're a little sleepy. Yeah, it's fine. It's late. It's late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being here, Micah. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Micah's a good friend, an excellent musician, an incredible conversationalist. You're setting the bar really high. He's the pride of Durham, this guy. Nice. I, I am not the pride of Durham, but thank you. It's very nice. Who, who would be the pride of Durham? Michael Peterson? Who's Michael Peterson? Pierce. The guy who killed his wife. Oh, goodness. Gosh. The stare guy? <laughs> yeah, the stare guy. Oh, no. Not the pride of Durham. Uh, not him. Man. I'm going to say Wooly Bull. <laughs> Wooly Bull. The mascot yeah. of the yeah. Bulls, probably the pride of Durham. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Have you met him? Oh, several times. Oh, yeah. mm, what's, nice. what's he really like? He's a strong, silent type. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a lot. So it's probably Wooly Bull, Coach K, then you. I, I get, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll humbly take number three. Yeah. All right. The Durham Bulls, man, that's the pride of Durham. Bulls games are a blast. If you haven't been to Durham Bulls game, you should go. Fun. They're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. Pretty cheap. In the comparison of Durham and Raleigh, one of the things that Durham has is the coolest minor league baseball team. Yeah. Yep. Well, we have a surprise for you, Micah, because let's welcome in Wooly Bull. <laughs> there he goes. Oh, he's like, doing some wacky dancing right oh, now. Look at him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, is, that a, is that a t-shirt guy? Oh, no, you're too close, Wooly. Oh, oh, he's trying to mime something really funny, but he can't talk. Oh, there he goes on his little go-kart or whatever it is. <clears throat> Seriously, though, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. What is it that we're going to be discussing today today we are discussing bleed american by jimmy eat world this is their fourth studio release album listeners if you are just joining us for this epipod we always like to start with our memories of an album so micah what is your memory of bleed american so i was in middle school eighth grade i think i want to say mm -hmm. and up to that point i had literally only been allowed to listen to christian music my parents did not let me buy any cds that were christian but i was able to get like reliant k which was pop punk right mm -hmm. and it was like 
pretty good pop punk. It was Christian. And right around that time, I guess, is when they started getting a little bit more lax. And I just remember hearing The Middle on like a commercial or yeah. a friend's house. I got to give a shout out to my really good friend, Kyle Neiman. He's a couple years older than me. He was in my youth group. And I was like chatting about that song that I'd heard. And I sang a little bit of it. And he's like, oh, that's Jimmy Eat World. That's my favorite band. And so yeah. he made me a mix CD that had a lot of Bleed American, a lot of clarity. Mm-hmm. I guess at that point, I was able to be under the radar enough that I went to Best Buy, Sam Goody, something, and bought Bleed American and Clarity. And that was all I listened to for the next two, three years. Oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know if that's too late in life to latch on to like a favorite band, but they've absolutely been my favorite band ever since. Is your friend was Kyle, is Kyle Neiman? Kyle Neiman. Did they have a cool name like Steeman Kyle Neiman? Oh, he had all, yeah, we called him all the names. <laughs> uh, that, sounds, that sounds like a good That's the only one I think yeah. is air appropriate. <laughs> Steeman <laughs> Neiman. <laughs> if you think it's a little harder, you could think of some yep. that are not okay. But yeah. All right, Matt, what about you? What's your what's your memory of either your Jimmy Eat World and uh, Bleed American? I had what some would call a troubled childhood. I was in and out of foster homes. And this one time I got arrested by the police for vandalizing uh, a theme park. And my punishment was that I had to clean up the graffiti at the theme park as part of my probation. And while I was working there, I met a new friend. This friend was kind of like me. He was seen as stubborn and difficult. We kind of got along. He really liked my harmonica playing. <laughs> And one time at the theme park, I almost drowned, and he saved me. And so we, we really formed a really unique bond. And uh, <laughs> it went so well that afterwards, I got a job at the theme park. Our friendship garnered the attention of the owner of the amusement park. He saw our talent and thought, man, people need to see this. And so he started a plans for us to host a thing called The Willie Show hoping to get some money and get some attention for the the theme park except that man on the first day some kids were just like really antagonizing my partner and he got really really hyped up and and angry and he just smashed against this window and damaged this window and you know and i i thought this is done this isn't going to work and i ran away Mm. you know someone older than me came and talked to me and they kind of talked me down and I, i realized that we did have something special me and me and my partner I went back to the theme park, and as I was going back to see my friend, I overheard some of the employees of the park, and they were planning on murdering my friend. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. To get the insurance policy on his life. It's awful. And so a couple of good guys and I, we had a plan to to help him escape. We put him onto a trailer, and we towed him out of there. It was an exciting high-speed journey that we took across terrain to try and free our friend. (laughs) And they had blocked the way for us to release our friend. And so full speed in the truck, we bust through the gate, turn around, and we threw my friend into the water. I don't know if I've mentioned that my friend is a killer whale. Oh, yeah. 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 What? So then what happens is my friend was like, I don't know where to go. What am I going to do? You know, it's like an amazing killer whale impression. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So then um, just at the last moment, my buddy jumped over me. Mm. It was really beautiful. I hated to see him leave, but I was happy to save his life. For the Willie Show, what we would come out to is the middle. That was our theme song. And so, you know, every time I hear this album, I think of him. It's a beautiful story. Thanks. Man, that story just krills me. <laughs> I mean, I, lo- I love the fact that, like, you had such a good relationship that you were just like, see, world, we are in this together. <laughs> You're proud of yourself. That's all I got. That's all you need. <laughs> so... 
I got into Jimmy Eat World with Static Prevails, and that really jumped out at me because it was this mix of pop punk, but also what people were calling emo, but what isn't called emo now. Yeah. You know, but they fell into that camp. Mm-hmm. And I loved the production on it. I still love the drums on that album. And then Clarity came out in 99, and that was right after college. From a musical standpoint, it had a lot more space. It's kind of a different genre altogether. Yeah. And that's what I didn't realize until I went back and listened to Static Prevails. Right. That, like, of Static Prevails, Clarity, and Bleed American, Clarity's kind of the odd man out, but it's so pretty. Like, it's such a good album. Yeah. And that was when I was like, oh, I guess I like indie rock now, too. I Mm -hmm. think it was just, I just was a Jimmy World fanboy. So many people agree. Clarity is just phenomenal indie rock record. Yeah. And then Bleed American comes out. So I wonder for you, like, were you anticipating Bleed American after Clarity? And then you got it and you're like, what is this? Well, and that's the thing is that, so Matt, Mike and I have yeah. argued for years over what's the best Jimmy World album in good spirits, yeah, you know, right, having yeah. fun with it. Yeah. Like there was one time where I fake retweeted him <laughs> on Twitter, you know, and put like retweet. And then yeah. Mike, I was like, Jimmy World album's in order. You know, and then I yeah, put awesome. like, I think you put Clarity like the stay on my side tonight EP as like number one. And then <laughs> so I was messing with like, you. Yeah, like yeah. futures at the bottom, which right. is my personal favorite. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. As someone who's not familiar with like their catalog, how would you like in 10 seconds describe each of those three albums? How about he can say a word about it and then I'll give you a taste Ooh, yeah. of Ooh. each one. So, we're just talking about like their their first, I would say, their biggest three first studio albums, right? Static Prevails. Mm-hmm. They were calling it emo at the time. Pretty grungy, too. It's a lot okay. rougher. Yeah, I can, I can hear the grunginess of that. Yeah. So that doesn't sound emo to me. No, and they always get likened to another band called Sunny Day Real Estate that mm-hmm. was kind of the, you know, pre The godfathers of emo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but that, again, that the emo of the 2000s, when I talk to people who are younger than me mm-hmm. and they talk about emo, it's a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. It really is. Clarity is like, it's just this indie rock gem. It's so good. This album is just so pretty. It's so melodic. All these different parts swirling around, a ton of space, intricate drum parts, not very straightforward. Right. This is the one that got me. Yeah. Especially because it's also got a lot of relational lyrics and it's songs. It's really romantic and, yeah. album. Yep. Like I said, I first got introduced to most of Clarity at the same time I got introduced to most of Bleed American. So it was all on a mixtape for me. Mm-hmm. And so I really didn't know what was what. But at the time, I think what really grabbed me, though, was Bleed American. Being in middle school, coming from loving just pop punk. Yeah. And they've got the middle. And they've got, well, Bleed American. The album opens just like punching you in the face. Side with your brain. 
So for me, coming from Clarity, this one just was completely different. Yeah. Those aggressive guitars, those big guitars but yeah. in pop music, tight production. They're not wasting any lines. They're not wasting any moments. It's just coming at you. Being brand new, really, to Jimmy E World, other than when I realized that there were a couple songs on this album that I knew, but yeah. didn't know it was Jimmy E World. As I was listening to this, this is the one I texted Matt and was like, oh, it's a poor man's Blink-182. <laughs> To which I offended. Almost, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "We're not doing this episode." Yep. <laughs> so I mean, so that was my initial reaction right. with with just with this song in particular. I get um, that. Like Blink One Eighty Two is, is huge for the reason they are, and especially at this time, two thousand one, like mm-hmm. people would have put them on a playlist together. Right. And so you know, this song didn't really resonate with me. To me, it was it's catchy. Mm-hmm. As I listen to the rest of the album, other songs on this album that really jump out yeah. at me. That was my initial reaction. But as I've listened to it over and over, I can, I can see the appeal to yeah. it. Yeah. And this uh, one's also like, it's really like political dystopian lyrics mm-hmm. that aren't, aren't friendly to listen to. It's, yeah. I'm not crazy because I take the right pills. It's all like, to me, it's very like 1984 yeah. kind of mm-hmm. clear thoughts with Space Side, which is like scotch. So it's, I think it's just about like, you know, society at the time, yeah. you know, we're like, we're addicked to TV and pills and alcohol. Yeah. So, so like I mean, the, for me, the Welcome to the Jungle video <laughs> right? of the 2000s. Yeah. The yeah. Of the jungle. So as a kid, like I didn't relate. I was like, I don't take pills. Yeah, eighth <laughs> grade. Flintstone vitamins. Exactly. And obviously, it's a, about America, right? Bleed mm-hmm. American right. title track. Mm-hmm. So I get it. It's not super enjoyable to like listen Dissect to a critique of your, and, yeah. <laughs> especially when you want to just listen to rock, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So I had a friend who got me the guitar book for bleed American and I only played acoustic. I didn't have an electric, but this is where I discovered drop D tuning. And if you're a musician, drop D tuning, I don't know when you're a young guitar player, makes you feel like a rock star mm-hmm. because these guys, they, the whole album's in drop D you can just not really shred, but you can feel like you're shredding, you know, and you can yeah. play these parts along pretty simply. It gives you immediate aggression. I don't know when they came out with it, but eventually Fender released like the Jim Atkins signature telly. Whoa. Like, this tone, like people mm-hmm. wanted it. It's cleaner than Nirvana. Mm-hmm. It's tighter and less childish than like Blink-182 or yep. Green Day. I think it just really comes through in Bleed American. That's why when anybody compares them to Blink-182, looking at you, Matt, or <laughs> any other punk band, it's too much rock. Yeah. It's too heavy. And it is a fine line. Like, yeah. I, I get it. But yeah, it's definitely that that sound they just nail. So this title, you know, the album was called Bleed American, came out in July of 2001. Mm-hmm. You know, sadly, and also unfortunately for them, mm-hmm. you know, September 11th is not even two months later. Yeah. And then they decided to pull the title. Yeah. So it was just called Jimmy Eat World for a long time. And then I guess the 10 year anniversary edition, they re-released it as Bleed American, which I, I get. Is that a respect? You don't want to have this, you know, yeah. critique album that literally says Bleed American and then leave on, it on, on shelves after of, that. Right. On the hills of 9-11. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to put a sticker on like 2 million copies. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, actually, what we yeah. really mean is... Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> even if you said we named this before that happened, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Nope. <laughs> well, let's talk about the band. Yeah. Who do we have here, Micah? So yeah, uh, Jim Atkins, lead singer, guitar player. Zach Lind on drums. Uh, Tom Linton does, he was the first lead singer, and now it's like background vocals and um, rhythm guitar. Uh, and then Rick Birch on bass also does some background vocals. Mm-hmm. High school buddies, right? Childhood friends, playing in Arizona. The story goes relatives of some of the band members, like drew a cartoon of like Jim like eating the world. And so that's where Jimmy World comes mm-hmm. from. There's no like, profound story behind yeah. that 
And yep. it's funny how back then when you name your band, it doesn't mean anything. And also right. you don't think you're going anywhere. Right. Yeah. So it's not like, like Hootie and the Blowfish. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then you're stuck with it. Oh, right. crap. We're Hootie and the Blowfish. I wonder if they ever regretted the name. I wonder. There were clever names in that scene and this one was not one of them. Got it. They were in the scene of like Drive Like Jehu. Okay. This really obscure biblical reference, or like the promise ring mm-hmm. is fitting that emo, you know, even mm-hmm. Sunny Day Real Estate. Yep. Jimmy Eat World, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. A little goofy. I get that. Yeah. So they start off pretty heavy, hitch in the face. Next song is a praise chorus. back to the pop of the pop pop real quick well it's also rocking though right like it's not super polished yeah that breakdown section on my feet i'm on the floor i'm good to go it's like super foo fighters Mm -hmm. yeah this song just gets me oh such a good song yeah my initial reaction was i wish this was the opener to the album because i feel like that gets me into it a little more Mm -hmm. but then i would also think okay to me, it would also be a little more like a Blink-182. Mm-hmm. So, so I kind of contradict myself. Like, I, I don't want that to be the opener because yeah. I feel like I would just dismiss it right away. But I, I love everything about the song. I mean, this is, as I was listening to this, driving around, this is the one I kept coming back to over and over and over. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Love this song. It's a good one. I didn't realize until after years of listening to this song, just kind of, you know, Googling your favorite band, what the song's meaning. Like, this is called A Praise Course mm-hmm. because they're just like, it's a song about the- music. Great songs, other songs, songs that were formative yeah yep. and that could be really cheesy like it, it, it could be. have gone like yes. really sideways and they it's done well because it's not like it's not so on the nose that nope. they're, they're singing it in the <laughs> yeah. same crimson and clover mm-hmm, you know right. I mean, they, they do it in their own way As they move into the end of the song, into that Crimson and Clover part, it's really catchy. And then they bring in this other voice, Davey Bonholan. Come on, Davey, sing me something that I know. Yeah. As a kid, I was like, who's Davey? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I just remember just that was the biggest mystery to me. And this was before like being able to Google every little thing. Right. I was like, for years, I just had no idea what they were talking about. Like if I'd been in middle school at that age, I would have been like, oh, it must be Davey Jones of the Monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. 
Davey is the singer of The Promise Ring, who is another emo band of that era. Again, emo, which would not be emo today. No. <laughs> you know, he has such a unique voice. When you heard The Promise Ring for the first time, did you go, that's the guy? Or did I you don't know find that I made out? that connection because it, yeah. it was years later that yeah. I like, you know, got introduced, reintroduced, quote unquote. I was still just listening to pretty much Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, I listen to other stuff within that, but like because of how I grew up and not being able to listen to a whole lot else. But it's yeah. interesting that the, the songs that they reference in this, I mean, mm-hmm. kind of, they make a lot of sense when, yeah. you, when you talk about the, you know, their sound mm-hmm. and, and you definitely see the influences of, you know, a madness. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, kickstart my heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, totally crew. Totally yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they don't let I guess. Yeah, they might be giants. And I was actually one of the other like random bands that worked their way into the little like CDs that I was able to pull away from myself. They might be giants. Found their way in there too. So, really? Yeah. Your parents let that? Or I guess it was just one of the I early like ones. picked my battles and like what can they walk by in my room and kind of overhear and not yeah. immediately be like what are you listening to you yeah. know well, and it was also probably somewhat educational that they might be giants right yeah you're and learning so, something Istanbul well, not Constantinople <laughs> that's right, right. Exactly. it was maps and then yeah. you, you, know, you talk about a little birdhouse in your soul oh. oh yeah and you're like my soul like the birdhouse yeah, is like Christian. God's building a, yeah, no I think it, they were getting more <laughs> lax for sure but yeah definitely with a song in particular just. What can you say about it? Well, it keeps coming because next is the song for me that started it all. for years yeah never knew it was jimmy world Mm -hmm. it's one of those just omnipresent songs that's everywhere well and that's when people are like who which favorite band i say jimmy world they're like really like they only know the middle and then maybe sweetness which will Mm -hmm. this is another one we'll talk about but i have to find myself like there's so much more than that but also if they were only that like the middle is not bad the the song have you heard the middle (laughs) (laughs) have you actually sat down and listened to it lately it's so good it is good yeah I was actually surprised that whether it was Rolling Stone or someone, you top 200 songs of the 2000s, and it was like 130-something, yeah, which is criminally low. Like, <laughs> yeah, it should be way higher than that. For the 2000s? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that should be much higher. Sometimes I'll test my kids. I'll just put a song on that mm-hmm. is either really big or really popular or I think is really good just to kind of see mm-hmm. their reaction. Mm-hmm. They all love music. But my middle daughter is especially drawn to rock, especially really aggressive stuff. You know, she loves the White Stripes. She loves like Slayer. <laughs> right. I remember putting this on and immediately her ears perked up. Yeah. yeah. There's also something extremely general, but heartfelt yeah. about the lyrics that talk about everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be just fine. You're just you're in the middle of the ride. It's, well, and it's addressed to a female, too. Yeah. Like, which is which. I didn't realize that until I was like really reading the and, lyrics. And not like a love song either, no, no, right? No. Like yeah. you can you can totally and I don't have any context for listening to this as a middle school girl, but I can imagine <laughs> yeah. being like, oh, I mean it's a song like 
sung to a girl it's not just a love song really encouraging and uplifting and be yourself and kind of empowering but then as a parent like i wanted to like my 13 year old i was playing it for today and she's like oh yeah i love the song mm-hmm. and i wanted to like sit her down and be like listen to the lyrics but i also didn't <laughs> want to be like and then she'd be like why are you telling me this should i be like worried that people are talking about me behind my back you know, like, no, 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 you no, make no. it worse yeah, I'm like, no no it's fine like, why are you why are you why are you telling me this like, people are gonna say what they want to say about you and that's well, fine like, wait yeah. what <laughs> about me I, I thought everything was great yeah don't worry about myself. what people say behind your back wait <laughs> you talking about I, said, back? Do, I said don't, don't worry about gosh why do you misunderstand me you, <laughs> you storm out like a middle schooler right. Right. you're in the middle of the ride okay that's what i want to say yeah yeah something about it like it's youthful it's, it's uplifting yeah, but mm-hmm. it's not like whiny and childish yeah yeah it's not cheesy even the video they made for this song mm-hmm. really backed it up mm-hmm. listeners you should look it up but it's this probably not at work it's this party where they're playing, and it's like... Is this, a, when, you, is this when you Google girls, girls, girls again? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Don't do that, y'all. They're playing this high school party. It's supposed to be a high school party, but everybody's in their underwear, and they're dancing and that making out. That was not out. my high school party. <laughs> that didn't happen? <laughs> no. At Benson Mule Days? No. They didn't all, <laughs> they didn't all go in Well, the mules aren't wearing... Yeah, yeah the mules true. are naked. <laughs> yeah. Mules are naked. Yeah. <laughs> do they ever dress up the mules? Well, I have no idea. <laughs> hey... You can't we're, we're blame me September. for bringing it up we're because in September? Is that you introduced me to I this, know, so that's I why know. I keep bringing that's it up. Not, that's, I'm going to be on my deathbed. Like, What's your one regret? Like, ever mentioning yeah. Mule Days? Because you talked about it in the first one. I know. We also talked about lots of things. Yeah, but that one stuck. <laughs> that, one, that one stuck. I bet they dressed the I mean, they, probably, they probably put hats on them. Like, At the least. Or like fake glasses with like a fake nose. Oh, man. That'd be funny. <laughs> Who is this mule? <laughs> <laughs> or like those beer can helmets. <laughs> With the straws to the mouth. With oats coming just in there. Just drunk mules. Yeah. That's all beer is, man. Just oats been sitting for a while. That's, That's true. true. That's a good point. But yeah, this video, everybody's in their underwear, and there's a kid walking around fully clothed. He's trying to find his place. And then at the end, when he's taking his clothes off, then he sees a girl who's also taking them off, but they kind of catch each other's eye and put the clothes back on and walk out together. Yep. Kind of an interesting and neat way to show kids, hey, just be yourself, they say yeah. in the song. While also the record company getting an extremely sexy and provocative video mm, to yes. sell records, Ooh. you know? So they're like, here's our message. The we want to do this and positive message. And the record company's like, we want teens <laughs> in bikinis. You know, they're like, how are we going to marry these two? It's interesting you bring up the record company because with this album in particular, this was the one where they didn't take record money to record it. Label money. They did clarity. They did static prevails to like middling critically. You know, critics love clarity, but... Not a lot of pop success. Right. Kind of in a ultimate punk mood. Like, screw you guys. They just toured a lot, saved their money, and did it themselves. Yeah. And it was, of course, ironic that their most commercially successful record to date kind of meant to be anti-establishment. Even that line, don't write yourself off yet. Yeah. It was almost like a self-reference. Let's talk about the producer, Mark Trombino, who was a producer, but also an engineer on a ton of indie albums. Everything from Rocket from the Crypt to these emo indie bands like No Knife and Boy's Life and Knapsack. Those were like, I'm telling you, they had these clever names. That's why I'm saying when they come in with Jimmy Eat World, you know. Boy's Life. I love that magazine. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. He even uh, produced Blink-182. He did Dude Ranch, yeah. So this guy is sought after. He knows the scene. Mm -hmm. And he came in and even took a pay cut and just said, I'll get paid later to do this album because he believed in it. Mm. And probably, you know, if you're a producer at this point, 
you've seen Clarity and you've heard this band and then you hear the songs on Bleed American, you know what you're getting into. So it would pay back. But it's still pretty cool that he would do that. Yeah. And also his production on this whole album is incredible. For the middle to be such a radio song, because songs have to be produced in a way yeah. that they'll make it on the radio. Well, and also they, I'm just going to talk about it now. I think it's necessary with this guitar solo. many top 40 songs had shredding guitar solos like since van halen that was kind of done away with and then all of a sudden you have this song that has this phenomenal solo in it that people when it comes on like you can sing this solo you might be (laughs) (laughs) like everyone knows it and every guitar player i know at the time was learning that solo like if you could play the solo from the middle mad respect everyone was like dude can you play the solo from the middle like all the time i I, didn't even try oh i didn't know way i could play this but i had friends that learned it and i would sit in the rooms hours learning that meaning but yeah this this guitar solo is you're right though because even the whole indie movement a lot of the 90s, in terms of grunge and everything, mm-hmm. sort of was the anti-solo. Yeah. You know? Not a solo like this. If it was a solo, it was like right. a melody or a hook kind of played. Yeah. Played with a lot of, you know, a lot of vibe. But yeah. this was just like a, I'm just going to shred. And so to have that, like, I I would go out on a, not even on a limb, but say a lot of pop punk guitar players are not known for having really great chops. They play really good power chords really fast. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm. Jim Atkins just comes on and he's like, I can play guitar really well, watch. No, the, in that sort of emo indie world, the most skilled musicians in each band is usually drummer mm-hmm. and then bassist. Mm-hmm. The guitars are known for being just creative, right. different chord voicings and everything. Mm-hmm. But you're right, nobody can play like this. Yeah. Next song was another single they released called Sweetness. If you I didn't know it was Jimmy World, mm-hmm. but I've heard it at so many sporting events. During timeouts or like a yeah. hockey game. It's kind of like, it's kind of a playing. jock jam, yeah. 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 Um, I mean it's way better than jock jams, but right. it's it's you well, hear that you hear that. I'm yeah. sure we're gonna do a jock jam. Oh, yeah, at least one. At least one. Yeah, you hear the you know, the opening, are you listening? And immediately everyone's just oh yeah, yeah. they're in. There's an emotion that comes across in this song. In the entire album that is perfect if you're in high school. It's like one of those teen movies. Mm-hmm. And not in a cheesy way. I'm not right. trying to slam it. I'm just saying that he's singing, almost every song, he's singing directly to you. Mm-hmm. There's not third-person stories that he's telling. Right. He's singing at someone or at you. Hey, little girl, it's going to be all right. Generally, it's so straightforward. But also, he's covering everything from surviving popularity contest in high school or <laughs> yeah, something clicks and, all and yeah surviving clicks and then you know this one is about relationships he's got all these songs that seem to just match perfectly for growing up 
probably there's no mystery there is why I, you know, latched on. The sound is like energetic. I think the theme is such a fine line between what else was available in terms of like youthful pop punk like Blink-182 and Green Day, which was way more angsty, I think, way more corny rather than dealing with issues of like fighting with your mom and dad. Like, you can't tell me what to do. You know, Jimmy (laughs) Rowe comes out. It's a little bit more lofty in their, in their lyrics and melodies and everything. It's just that much more elevated. That still grabbed me as a fan of the genre. Yeah. But I could listen to it and be like, this is good music. It's not, you know, a toothpaste commercial or whatever. Right. (laughs) Matt, do you think like, if like sort of like the wizard of Oz and dark side of the moon, if you start Jimmy world at the same time, you start like, can't hardly wait <laughs> oh my gosh don't threaten me with a good time man i would yeah. do that <laughs> <laughs> or 10 things i hate about you it's got to uh-huh. be a movie that starts off kind of dark mm-hmm. you know yeah and but then yeah. moves right in she's all that she's all that. Mm-hmm. those were fun movies yeah. i remember she, she's all that the one freddie prince jr yeah. played like the stud and Rachel Lee Cook, yes. who's like a oh, gorgeous wow. actress. They put glasses on her. I was like, you're ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> and then the, oh, I took the glasses off. You can paint and you're hot. She's a nerd. Yeah. But yeah. She's like an art but, student. <laughs> but you're right. They didn't try hard at all. Like no. there was no transformation. Right. The thing I remember about that movie was there was some scene where he followed her to some avant-garde theater. Somehow he got called up to do art and she thought he was going to be embarrassed. And he took out his hacky sack. <laughs> do you remember this yes and he started doing this hacky sack and while he's hacky sacking he's talking about like juggling life and success and pressure you know and then he lets it fall and he's like and then one day it just falls or something and everybody claps we had the movie muted and we're playing bleed american alongside i think right then it would be have to be something like one of their slow oh, ones yeah. would be cautioners would be hear you me or something yeah, that's like, right oh. and like earlier on like when she's got the glasses like yeah the middle oh exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well the middle would be the opening like you're, you're panning up on the high school and like you have all the clicks mm-hmm. you know i'm just surprised i didn't do a scene from she's all that for the music video like <laughs> yeah pretty much I we mean, pretty much just wrote it for yeah. them yeah yeah so these guys don't lean all into their pop punk they like to slow it down sometimes there's no one in town i know you gave us some place to go i never said Thank you for that I thought I might get one more chance What would you think of me now? So lucky, so strong, so proud I never said thank you for that Now I never have a chance May angels lead you in Hear you meet my friends On sleepless roads the sleepless go May angels lead you in They're already proven they could write a pretty song many yeah. many pretty songs with clarity yeah but yeah this is the first like way downshift you know in mm-hmm. the album and i remember like listening to this and be like okay this is a, this is a sad song we're talking about angels leading someone in someone yeah. died mm-hmm. i didn't find out until later this song is apparently about i don't remember their names but the story goes they ran the weezer fan club and they are two people and they died in a car wreck like coming oh. back from a weezer show and oh, the story dear. goes like they would always say like here you mean like that was something they said 
it opens up with there's no one in town i know you gave us some place to go apparently put the guys from jimmy world up when they were in town for a show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so it's just i mean a really touching song really this song captures it's so multi-dimensional both musically but also thematically and if you're talking about the gamut again i'm just kind of stuck on this idea of it perfectly captures high school yeah somebody dies in high school you know and it's sad but someone dies and often in a car accident Mm -hmm. you know someone that you know or there's loss as you're growing up to have this on an album that really captures the theme of growing up you would have to have something like this you can't just keep it Lighthearted pop punk yep. relationship album. Yeah. You know, that's what the rest of them did. That's what those Blink 182 or Green Day things mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Bringing it back to Kyle Neiman, the guy that introduced Steaming me all the time. Steven Kyle Neiman. Steven <laughs> Demon. He, I think, still wants this played at his funeral. So, oh, wow. Kyle, if I'm still alive and kicking, when you're gone, I will play this at your funeral and I will sing it. If you were a true friend, you'd say, Kyle, I'll get Jimmy World to come play your funeral. <sighs> there you go. That'd be the real thing. They've done a wedding. Have they? They played Blink-182, the lead singer. When Pumped he got, along? Uh, yeah, when he got married. Really? They played his wedding. <laughs> Jealous. All right, yeah, I remember hearing the song, and I think at the time I probably had an aversion to like slow songs. Mm-hmm. When I ended up going back and buying the full album and could listen to the whole thing, I remember just not, not skipping over it, right? Like I bought the album for the, the middle and the yeah. sweetness or whatever, but it's one of those that it just fits so well, which is ironic considering it's a completely different genre. Even pop punk bands that try to do like prettier songs like Good Riddance, right? Like mm-hmm. that's probably the only ballad song that Green Day yeah. ever. I can definitely be corrected on that. I'm sure they have more. Troy, who was on the Green Day episode, is screaming at the podcast right now. <laughs> He's like, You don't understand there's so many ballads by Green Day. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there are, <laughs> but like that's not something that punk or rock bands typically do well is write a pretty song, write a ballad. I mean, even this song, it's a it's a pretty ballad, but the guitar is still Mm-hmm. kind of quick i mean mm-hmm. it's still it's still right. giving some energy it's driving to, to the to the music mm-hmm. that was a good troy impression too by the way yeah he gets all worked up <laughs> what's up troy <laughs> the next song we're going to look at is called the authority song listening to this album and i got quote unquote tired of the middle or sweetness right like mm-hmm. as a kid you're always like play it again play it again play it again <laughs> and i finally let myself like wander into the second half of the album then this is the song that got played mm. on repeat yeah i said i only was allowed to listen to christian music i was also allowed to listen to oldies a lot of oldies yeah. okay and this song is just like straight up that do up Like you 
Yeah, that's the wonders. That's totally. <laughs> Tom Hanks just ripped this song off. Yeah, and of course, right. they're talking about like a jukebox and dancing. It's yep. just, it harkens back to high school, but in the 50s. Yep. I mean, if we're still, it's thematic, it's just different. We've talked about them being a combination of genres. Mm-hmm. They're not just this like emo band that every album sounds the same. They're not just rock. Right. They're not just pop punk. And they could be any of those if they yeah. wanted to. It seems that their influences are not just punk. Mm-hmm. Right. They didn't just grow up on Black Flag and then they're, you know, forming a band. <laughs> right. Because this song is even named after the John Cougar Mellencamp song, which interestingly enough, we just talked about John Cougar Mellencamp a few episodes ago. But Coog. The Coog. Yeah. So one of those things where yeah, I heard, see what the jukebox knows. Yep. I play authority song. I had to Google that and be like, what? Yep. John, is that the guy who's... Sucking on a chili dog, it's not a tasty freeze. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> so is, 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 is he J-A-M-C? That's Jesus and Mary Chain. Ah. Automatic is a Jesus and Mary Chain album. Okay. So when he's talking ah. about DJ Never Has it, it, J-M-C, J-M-C automatic. automatic. Jesus is what's Mary going Chain. on, is that a Jesus and Mary Chain song? Or, or, or not what, what goes on? Um, I mean, what goes on is a Beatles song. Yeah, I don't know that reference. They're making, us, they they're making us hunt. They're making us hunt. And also, all these Easter eggs. Like these Roy, Roy Williams. Roy. Roy Orbison, Roy Orbison could be a, uh, a litany. I'm sure. See. I'm sure they've done let's, an interview. Let's, and let's, yeah, let's do some work here. So the first one we've already identified is John Cougar Mellencamp perpetually just sucking on chili dog mm-hmm. <laughs> outside, outside, outside the tasty breeze. Yeah, he looks pretty good for subsiding on nothing but chili dog <laughs> for yeah, all this time and dogs. and frozen slushies. <laughs> I just texted Kyle, and he thinks it's actually the Velvet Underground song. Okay. Uh, what goes on? Not the Beatles. I still don't know who Roy is or why his headphones matter. But it seems like is maybe Roy's a little testy with his headphones. So yeah. they're making fun of him. And, is, and are the headphones like connected to the jukebox that only Roy's listen? Is to? that a what thing? A Can you can- <laughs> <laughs> No, it's my music. <laughs> it's just Roy dancing. <laughs> okay, so one thing we like to do on finest work songs is if you had to remove a song from an album. Which one would it be? So, Micah, Jimmy World has invited you to a party. You're going to have to take all your clothes off, stand there in your underwear, like Period. the video for the oh. middle, <laughs> unless you remove a song. So if you had to, which song would you remove from Bleed American? I would remove Your House. Rip my heart right out. chorus is good but the verses they repeat a lot you rip my heart right out and i was i was a sad middle schooler like (laughs) high school was like not great for me especially like ninth grade but even then i was like all right that's a little much jim you rip my heart right out you don't have to say it once (laughs) just keep saying it uh i like the chorus and i'll I'll find myself like i'll let the song play but it's, it's not my favorite yeah it does get a little bit repetitive i agree Matt, what about you? That'd be the one I would take off to for the exact same reason. It just it seems a little repetitive, and the chorus is good, but the verse just kind of doesn't do it for me. I wasn't in high school when this album came out, but it feels like thematically it captures high school so well. I kind of wish I was in high school and had this album because it would still be my favorite. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I envy you, Micah. <laughs> and so for me, that You Rip My Heart Right Out, that relational song in the middle of the album makes sense and it slows down a little bit and so for me it really fits but the song that i would remove is cautioners you'll change your mind come monday and turn your back on me 
I really, really like this song. It just belongs on Clarity. Yeah. They had said that a lot of the songs, or some of the songs, were written when they were writing Clarity songs. They just were too late to make the album. First of all, I don't know why they didn't make the album in between Clarity and Bleed American, that singles album they put out. But this one, to me, just really fits on Clarity. So, yeah, for me, I would, I would take that one off. For someone who was, again, new to this album as a whole, that one jumped out at me. First time I heard it is completely different sounding song to everything else on the album. So I, I could see where you're coming from with that one. Yeah. Not making the connection that it sounds more like a clarity song, but definitely sounds different. Yeah. Cause it is like when you said caution, it's like, no, I love that song, but it, it totally makes sense from just a thematic standpoint. Yeah. Musically, you know, we, we talked a little bit about them being really versatile and doing a lot of genres well, but that is definitely like an indie rock song mm-hmm. so much more than all the others on this album in particular. Micah, this has been a lot of fun. I know that you prefer Futures and I prefer Clarity. I think we, we kind of met in middle. the middle. Oh. Oh. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. All right, and for everyone else, thanks for listening to Season 2 of Finest Work Songs. And we'll see you next time when we drop the deuce. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music.